thank you for joining the fun here at All for Animals. We're a growing podcast, so be sure to find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at All for Animals Pod or our Instagram at All for Animals Podcast. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Welcome back to another episode, Pet People. This is All for Animals with your host, Peter. And your host, Rachel. And I guess I already said this is All for Animals, so do you <laughs> want to do it? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> and, and this, this is, is All for all Animals. All for Animals. Perfect. Okay. So we've got a fun little episode for everybody today. We are discussing our favorite childhood animal movies. Woohoo! And um, there is a bit of an age difference between Rachel <laughs> and I, so um, I think that we're gonna touch, you know, multiple generations of. Oh, you know, that just hurt my soul. Movies. Did you just oh, try to say I'm a like different that. generation? <laughs> <laughs> we're border. We're bordering. I'm looking at mine, and I've got, I've got a movie that's oh, I think over twenty years old, and then a movie as new as I think ten years. So there's a decade margin with mine. Okay. What is your, do you know what the year of your oldest movie is? All of my movies came out in either 92 or 93. Um, Okay. And I, okay. So I'm going to dispel this whole myth that I'm a different generation because I'm only 32 and you're, you just turned 24. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) there's only eight years difference between us. (laughs) this is true don't make me out to be your grandma (laughs) (laughs) 90 so my my oldest movie on my list is finding nemo okay wow i think was that a night was that 99 was it 99 i thought it was in the 2000s it might be and then my other movies are 2006 and 2004 so okay wow they're yeah, so there's about a 15 year difference between our movies, so we'll be covering. Yeah, Finding quite Nemo a bit is today, 2003. So <laughs> 2003. Yes. Well, and how old was I? So I was four in 2003. Oh my god. So that, that probably, but <laughs> I know it's not much of an age gap when you say eight <laughs> years out loud, but then you think about what I missed in your time. It can be, it can be a little different, especially with how quickly animation kind of came to be, and like. You know, like if you watch, you know, the older movies with the older special effects and um, all that stuff, it is really night and day to some of the animation we have. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you're never going to be able to convince me that everything from current day is better than everything from, you know, oh, my generation, as you not. like to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I agree. They don't make movies like they used to. No. So, um well, I guess let's dive in since I already gave away my first. Um, <laughs> it's obviously Finding Nemo, um, which I think is a fan favorite of most people. Oh yeah, um, it's I like I like so much of that movie. Um, you know, the animation's cool. Mm-hmm. Your um, the scenery is beautiful. Kind of, exactly. Of course, the character development and the storyline. Um, that movie is you know what it is and why it's popular for a reason i think finding nemo is just such a (laughs) such a goofy heartfelt movie yeah yes exactly and that kind of goes back to they just don't make movies like they used to i think like in the wonderful world of like iphones and social media you know movies are kind of a secondary 
kind of electronic entertainment. I think you're right. I've definitely nowadays, noticed so. that I have so much less interest in movies that come out nowadays. It's just kind of like it's either a recycled plot line that, you know, I've already seen done better a million times or it's just something I'm not not interested in. Right. Right. Well, and that's why I included some new-ish movies yeah. just because there are some along the way that are really really good, but Finding Nemo is just one of those movies you can watch a million times and, you know, it's just as good as the first. And I think they did really, really well with the Finding Dory oh, um, yeah. movie. I think that was a really, really good movie. And how they kind of kept the storyline kind of intertwined with the original Finding Nemo yes. was super cool. Now I'm going to give you guys my favorite scene Ooh. from the movie. And if you... um. Do If you do feel like writing us an email and describing your favorite scene for Finding Nemo, do that at any time. Oh, yes, please. I like his treacherous escape through the fish tank in the fish filter. Uh, oh, the that... dentist's fish tank? Yes. Yes. Yep, exactly. Uh, when he's escaping and they're making their big escape. Yes. Um, through the filter and he almost gets chopped up. Oh, and... <laughs> like yeah, heart that's, in your uh... throat moments. <laughs> Well, and it's funny because even though I've seen the movie a hundred million times, you still get that like <laughs> that that like t- tense moment. Oh yeah, you know? um, preaching to the choir because yeah, I'm about to tell you how I bawled at watch or yeah rewatching all of mine. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was your what was your first favorite childhood movie? Okay, so my. <sighs> I don't know if I should like do these in any specific order because trying to pick like an absolute favorite would be something out of Sophie's Choice, which I'm now realizing you're probably too much of a youngin to know what I'm talking about. I'm saying that never heard of that. (laughs) Never heard of it. (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay. So um, it would be like trying to choose between my children. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's see. I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the one that I just watched last night. And that was Free Willy. So we're still in the ocean. Right. And please, please tell me you have seen Free Willy. Of course I've seen okay, Free Willy. Good. It's been a long, long time. <laughs> well, um, and to be honest, it's yes. been quite some time since I saw it last, which was why I felt the need to give myself a little bit of a refresher before we talked about it. So I just loved how it shows how transformative the bonds between humans and their animal companions can be. So it starts off with, you know, this this troubled kid with no parents looking out for him. His name is Jesse. And he gets, like, caught tagging the very tiny and insufficient orca tank at this adventure marine park thing. Um, and he, he's, you know, in, he's assigned to clean that up as his quote unquote probation. And a couple who lives right near the, the little park, they decide to foster him and try and take care of him. And so he finds out that the, the orca that's being housed in that terrible little tank is, his name is Willie. Spoiler alert. It's in the movie title (laughs) um so he's not not getting along well with people he's a troubled case and i guess through that 
Jesse and Willie bond and Jesse is able to teach Willie tricks and and gain his trust and nobody else can get Willie to cooperate at all because they he just doesn't like him <laughs> and it's really hard for me to pick like one singular scene that means the most to me because honestly so much of the movie just had me so sad especially knowing how unfortunately Keiko the whale that played Willie died shortly after the movie right Right. I don't know do you know the whole story about that I I don't know the whole story but I do know what you just mentioned that he did pass away like right after the movie was made it was actually 10 years after the first Free Willy was made. Uh-huh. There was this huge push to address his piss poor living conditions, which is always, that's a great thing because he was living in like an overly chlorinated and too warm tank. He had a, um, a, a condition like a, I, I don't know if I could call it like a skin condition, but around his pectoral fins, he had a bad immune system. He was not healthy in those conditions. And so, a few different uh, organizations kind of rallied and there was a bunch of money put together to try and re-release him out into the wild where he was originally caught. And so over the course of about three years, it looks like, he was slowly reintroduced to the wild. And I mean, from the get-go, it wasn't going very well. Like they kept testing to see if he was able to find his own food when he was doing his like practice dives out in open water and everything and he wasn't he was afraid of the other whales and all of that stuff and eventually he just he never was able to integrate with the pod that they placed him with and he contracted pneumonia and died in 2003 wow it's really really sad and right i mean part of me was really upset about the whole movie and I'm I'm sure there's going to be people that are upset that I'm talking about it on a public forum like it's a great thing but in my opinion I think it actually is because it shed it shed such a huge light on the problem of these orcas kept in captivity so there were already so many whales being kept in like the sea world type attractions and everything and without the movie Free Willy, I'm not sure if we would have made the progress that we've made today in their welfare. Right. Well, and I think that's the thing is like sometimes those sad endings can have a silver lining of that happy ending. Uh, now we kind of have that push of knowledge and education and awareness. Yeah. You know, around keeping larger animals like that in captivity. Well, it's, I mean, it's just like how everyone loves The Wizard of Oz and like everyone that was in that movie was treated horribly Horribly, you you know so and you know i mean that's how change kind of occurs is unfortunately humans are kinetic learners and yeah so i think you're exactly right with you know that the creation of that movie sparked a lot of tension and kind of rebranded how we look at these animals and how we look at how they should be kept in captivity. Absolutely. So, and, and and way to follow my theme with starting with the water movies, yes! the ocean movie. <laughs> it works out well. Absolutely. Okay, so what's your next movie? We are keeping the under the water theme. Um, I think this movie's honestly kind of slept on. It's like that movie, um, that DreamWorks flushed away that's on Netflix right now. It's a great movie. Oh, I love that I movie. <laughs> 
Do you? I love that movie too. Yes. Um, this one's kind of relatable. It's called Shark Tale. Oh, the one with Will Smith. Ever heard of... Yes, it's yes. the Will Smith movie. He is the voice of Oscar. Yes. Um, I don't know who voices the shark, Lenny, but I really, really like. I like the plot and the movie of like a kind of insecure vegetarian shark. I think that's a really, really funny setup for a movie. Yeah. And how he's here. Like the first scene of the movie is someone casts the the line with the uh, with the worm on it, and then Lenny goes and frees the. The worm because he has a heart and he feels bad for it. So I'm about to have to mock you a little bit for not knowing who plays Lenny. Who is it? It's Jack Black. Is it Jack Black? Okay, yes. I thought it was, but I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I, I thought it was Jack Black, yeah. And I don't think him and Will Smith have done a lot of work together, which makes this movie even more nostalgic, right? So Yeah, you, now that I, now that you mentioned so, it, I don't think they have worked together I don't think they've much. had it, yeah, I don't. Outside of that, I can't think of anything. Okay. And I really like, I like the plot in the movie. As mentioned before, I really, really like the animation. Mm-hmm. Like the, the two jellyfish and like how, how the, just the art behind that, how they were made. Do you know who I'm talking about? Like the yes. two. Um, yeah. So what so is it I about the was... animation in Shark Tale that speaks to you the most? It's really warm. Um, it's really whimsical. It's like my style of art with like, just like the brighter colors and kind of the way, like, obviously when you're making a cartoon, right, the, the main lead that he falls in love with, you have to make her look elegant. And I like the way that they can take a fish and, you know, depending on their character, Mm -hmm. make them appear as elegant to, you know, the other characters in the movie. <laughs> sure. I also really like how they created the whale wash. <laughs> yes. That was super cool. How, like, <laughs> the, the whales the are, car like... wash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How the whales are, like, they're, they're like, the um, news billboards almost yes. for, for the little world they live in. And how, you know, his father was a janitor for the longest time. And, you know, everything works out the end with him owning the car wash and you know Lenny's father accepting him for how he is and wanting to be a vegetarian shark yeah it's just a really really um I think it's a really put together movie I think it sends a great message with that whole storyline with Lenny the shark and getting his family's acceptance and everything right the kind of like well that was the both I think that was the internal struggle that both Lenny and Oscar had was they like wanted to be a certain way yeah, and they weren't okay with it. Yeah. Like, they wanted to be okay with who they were, but they weren't. And I really like Oscar's character development, too. Um, how he goes from, you know, Oscar the shark slayer and living this lie um, to realizing what's really important. And that's not, you know, all this this fame and boasting and, yeah, you know, all that good stuff. It's more of staying true to yourself, which Lenny, I will say... Um, did a better job throughout the movie his character you know kind of stayed more consistent in who he was um he just wasn't as confident in who he was you know whereas oscar was kind of just looking for five seconds of fame which i think is kind of something that i see a lot nowadays with social media yeah like all the influencers uh, and stuff like that it's hard to stay true to yourself sometimes yeah you know keep like you're allowed to have your opinion and keep it to yourself and just things like that and I don't know. I think that it was just a, a really, really good setup for Cisco. One, you <laughs> quit making noise. 
it was just a really, really good setup for an inspirational movie. Um, and like I said, I feel like it's kind of an underappreciated movie as far as just, you know, how like current it was in its time and how we, we don't really view it as one of those super nostalgic movies. Sure. But in my head, I do. That was the movie we would watch, you know, when we had our you know, little family minivan with the two really small TVs for traveling. That, that you was one had of one of those? We did. At one point, we did. It was oh. me. I'm the youngest of four. So to keep all of us from fighting while traveling, it just made sense. Oh, man. <laughs> so, My brother and I dreamed of having those little doohickeys in our cars on our road we trips. Didn't ha- <laughs> we didn't have... We, at first, we just had the ones you would set in your lap. If you remember those with the little disc yeah. DVD player. Yeah. Um, and then mom and dad had upgraded to the Honda Odyssey, I think it was, maybe. Minivan with the little, with the handy dandy. Yeah. 10 inch TV that folds down. So yeah, that's, that, that also, not the movie itself, but just like the experiences, like the point in my life of when I would watch it is kind of what makes it all that much more nostalgic. Sure. And again, you know, there's just so much to like about that movie from the animation to the character development to just the plot itself. Yeah. And it's also really funny. So if you obviously if you're an adult and you have children, you know that those movies are made by adults. And there oh, yeah. are some of those like, you know, those subliminal messages. Yes, that just go, I like, love right those. Over <laughs> and there were so many re, rewatching all three of these movies. I was sitting there like, oh, that definitely went right over my yeah. head when I was 10. <laughs> so. I had that same thing happening over and over again when I was rewatching as well. I was like, oh, man, I totally missed that. Well, and it's like. It's a Will Smith, Jack Black movie. Like, it's just going to have a lot of those jokes in it. And, of and it's going to have some reason. <laughs> right, absolutely. Well, that's another reason I'm biased to the movie is I really like Jack Black and I really like Will Smith. So anything they create, I'm going to have some sort of bias to it. I, Jack Black's hilarious to me. Sure. I mean, you can't argue that that cast is amazing. So I just, I Googled right. it and there's, okay, so there's Will Smith as Oscar, there's Robert De Niro, there's Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, Jack Black, Martin Scorsese, Ziggy Marley. I mean, so many yeah. names yeah. in here. And it's crazy to me that there are so many big, I mean, you know, Bob Marley's son was yeah. in it. Yeah. And it just, I just feel like it didn't get some of the attention that it, it should have. Like, it's obviously a well-known movie, but I would think it'd be a little bit more well-known. And I just, yeah, I like the vibes. I like the background music of it. It's like, you know, kind of that island paradise kind of just kick back, have fun vibe to it. Yeah. yeah. It's just a really fun movie. If you haven't seen Shark Tale, be sure to check it out. I rented it on YouTube. Um, I believe it was three ninety nine. Um, oh, okay. You can find just about any movie you want for rent on YouTube, and there, you know, it auto syncs immediately. You're able to watch. I think you have it for, I think seven days, maybe. Don't quote oh, me on that's that. Cool. But and there may be some other places where you can find it. But YouTube tends to be my go to. Now, Rachel, what is your next movie? Okay, so this one I know for a fact you haven't seen. And shame on you, but (laughs) it is probably the most nostalgic movie I could ever talk about, and that would be Fern Gully. And I know I've mentioned it on the show before. Mm -hmm. So Fern Gully, it was uh, was released in 1992, so I was only a year old. And it is... I wasn't... You weren't even born yet. 
I wasn't even a thought in my yeah. parents' head <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> but it's such a beautiful movie, and I have it on DVD, and you can find it on like Tubi and Freevee or whatever those like free s- streaming services are. And it'd be on YouTube. I'm, too, sure, I'm sure it's on YouTube. So you need to check it out, like you, Peter, and you, our audience. You all need to check it out because I promise Absolutely. it's worth it. <laughs> so. The main character is technically these little like fairy tree spirits. But then, I mean, in my opinion, the the one who steals the show is, as always, Robin Williams character, Batty, who is just, oh, my God, he's hilarious and he's weird and goofy and sarcastic and witty and then he you know he's had all of these like uh experiments performed on him at a biology lab so he's he's got like a wire sticking out of one ear and throughout the movie you know if he says something that one of the the little spirits doesn't agree with they'll like flick the wire or something to get him to quote unquote change channels and stuff so it's really funny and so there's Robin Williams playing Batty, and then there's Tim Curry, who plays the uh, the the bad guy in this movie, Hexus, who is essentially like the the force of of evil or destruction. And then um, there's also two amazing actors that I was not aware were in it until I was rewatching and was looking up the credits. Cheech and Chong are in Fern Gully. You know who Cheech and Chong are, right? If Cheech and Chong are there, it's a great movie. Everyone knows Cheech and Chong. Everyone knows Cheech and Chong. Just making sure, especially since we're both major stoners. I was like, you have to know who they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. (laughs) So they, I mean, they have small characters, but as soon as I knew that I was looking for their voices. I was like, oh, yep, that's definitely them. And I was just so stoked that they were that they were in there. Uh, just added another level to my glee. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, the scenery is beautiful. Like all of the backdrop is like that gorgeous, lush watercolor and pastel. Uh, and it's set in like the Australian rainforest. So it's just like dense, vines and flowers and adorable animals absolutely everywhere and it's and it's also now don't hate on this because i know a lot of people aren't a big fan of musicals and this isn't tech i wouldn't necessarily call it a musical but there are a couple of musical numbers in it and oh man are they hilarious and catchy and i mean the opening song to this movie is literally my jam so when i'm like waking up in the morning and trying to not hate the world for having sunshine (laughs) because i want to go back to bed i have a morning jams playlist that i'll play on my my alexa all throughout the house and that's like the first song that pops up every morning is that opening song from fern gully it just it speaks to my soul (laughs) So it sounds like there's a little bit of nostalgia attached to this movie. With oh, you so well. much nostalgia. Yeah. It, literally all of them. It's it's so much nostalgia. The nostalgia. Oh, absolutely. And perhaps maybe one day we can do like our favorite animal movies that, you know, are more recent, you know, rather than childhood, like polar opposite movies we've seen in the last oh, four yeah. or five years. Oh, yeah. Newer releases. And we can even do another one of these simply because three movies. Oh, there's so many. I think this could easily Um, be a series too. (laughs) 
yeah, I was sifting through quite a bit, um, and I narrowed it down to my three just based off, like, overall. <clears throat> yeah. You know, why I like these movies and why these movies stand out. Yeah. Um, there are so many more that kind of are really comparable that just didn't make it in the, into oh, this sure. episode. So one of my favorite things about this movie is it's it's all like an ode to saving our environment and more specifically our rainforests and everything. So mm-hmm. at one point, the the little like the main little fairy, Krista, she asks the one human that's like all throughout the movie, can't you feel its pain when he tries to like cut into a tree he's like carving her name into a tree and he can't feel the pain but i just loved that like i guess is it imagery or metaphor something like that yeah symbolism there we go yes i just love that symbolism of you know krista takes her hand away from the tree and it's glowing red and she's like wincing she actually physically feels pain from touching this wound Mm -hmm. on the tree and it's just a beautiful way of remembering that you know it's a it's a tree yes it doesn't necessarily have like a sentient like knowledge base or anything but it's still a living creature and it's also just important for us and our survival and everything so it's important to look out for it and i just i actually (laughs) i remember being so scared to hurt the plants and flowers around me as a kid thinking that Mm -hmm. they were going to feel pain and i even i i like bawled my eyes out at one point because i had plucked a dandelion out of the ground and then i realized i had to have heard it and i it i was inconsolable it was <laughs> it was a very deeply meaningful movie for me and then when i realized that i was hurting this little dandelion by pulling it out i i couldn't forgive myself and so i mean it does come with some emotional trauma i guess <laughs> but in an yeah. endearing way <laughs> Right, absolutely. I think that's kind of how a Robin Williams movie is. It, no matter like who he's like, he was he was a character, right? So oh yes. Um, any movie you know, either created by him or that he stars in, kind of has that um, really sincere and adult kind of message to it, whether you're it's a kids movie or not. That so, authenticity, the bittersweet. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. Yep. So. One of my favorite quotes, and I say this all the time, I usually reserve it for (laughs) the grumpy old dogs with like one tooth left, but they're still trying to gnaw your face off. So Mm -hmm. at one point, there's a human that like gets shrunk down to the size of like a mouse, basically. And he Mm -hmm. sees Batty, who's gigantic to him now, and he draws his pocket knife and he's he's scared of the bat. But Batty is terrified of him. So Batty's like wrapping himself up in his wings and he's he's got one of his little (laughs) his little uh, little bat fingers out. And he says, I have but one claw, but beware. And it's just so cute because he's terrified and he only has this one little like thumb claw thing but he's like I'll defend myself with it and it just makes me think so much of those those grumpy old dudes the pups that they they hardly have any teeth left but they're man are they gonna fight you for everything (laughs) yeah or even one of my sassy one pound hedgehog yes yes (laughs) and I, I wanted to leave it too with the the ending of the movie it 
it has um like this beautiful almost like cave painting of handprints going across the screen and then it has a quote that just says for our children and our children's children so i just i love the message of this isn't only for us it's for all the people to come after us as well so it's just such a beautiful message yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great one to mention. And, you know, additionally, all back to that, you know, Robin Williams, just he he was one of those guys. It's really a shame because he could speak to anyone. He could pull anyone's strings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he could really connect with just about anyone through his movies. He was so fearlessly authentic that he could relate exactly. to anyone. And consistent. And I think that's the thing that makes him so relatable is like, you know, the message that he would put out through his his work was super versatile yet consistent which is just a really rare find so it really is now my last movie i think is the ultimate underdog on my list it's a movie called ant bully Um, it's another animation movie Um, have you seen ant bully so i'm pretty sure I saw it at one point when I was uh, maybe in like those tween years or something. So well after it came out. Um, But I'm not sure if I really remember much of the plot. So I guess you'll have to educate me on it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. So the reason I picked this movie was mainly character development. Okay. So the main character, Lucas, he was being picked on by his peer group and in turn i I really like the beginning message of the movie which is kind of like this hurt people hurt people kind of thing because i think that's something that everyone needs to note in the back of their mind if you meet an asshole in public day to day no one you yes you choose to act that way but you know people that don't carry around those kind that kind of energy typically haven't been through there's more to the story exactly so it's kind of it's kind of this notion of hurt people hurt people um which i think really needs to speak to younger kids that don't understand maybe why someone behaves in such a bitter manner sure and in turn because lucas is getting bullied by his peer group he starts you know bullying the ants and flooding their ant hills and all this um you know it's kind of a retaliation for the negative feelings that he feels by you know, being picked on. And my favorite quote in this movie is something to the effect of, what are you going to do about it? Because I'm big and you're small. Ooh, yeah, that strikes a chord. (laughs) And that was what, well, that's what the, that's what the antagonist bully would say to Lucas. And then what Lucas would then repeat to the ants. And he had signed on for an exterminator to come and eradicate all of the ants on their property, which also, obviously it's a kid's movie, but it, it just was funny to me. I'm like, why is this little seven, seven, eight year old boy signing a contract for <laughs> an exterminator to come out? You know what I mean? Yeah. And anyway, um, so the plot kind of picks up and the ants then have their retaliation in creating a potion remedy um, that when come, like would come into a human's bloodstream would shrink them down to the size of an ant. And that's what they did with Lucas. And they, they snuck into his house and poured a drop down his ear and he woke up, you know, the size of an ant. So kind of a pick on someone your own size. Exactly, exactly. So that was kind of like karma yeah Um, and then he learned he you know he learns the way of the ants and 
kind of starts to empathize with them and realize just because I'm being bullied doesn't mean I need to be a bully and then starts to work with the ants um, and then further confesses that prior to being shrunk to the size of an ant um, and learning their ways and their struggles and all that, that he had sent the exterminator to come out next week. And so, you know, then it's this, this, mission of trying to get the exterminator canceled but he's the size of an ant and there's this really fun scene where he's like jumping back and forth from the telephone trying to call the exterminator and listen to what he's saying run to the other side of the phone and communicate and the entire time i believe it was a pizza he was on a pizza restaurant he thought he had canceled the exterminator And it ended up showing up anyway. And, you know, of course, Lucas goes and saves the day. And I'm blanking on how he became the size of an ant. Or he he grew back to outside of the size of an ant and back to his normal Lucas size. I think it was a reverse remedy that they had constructed. And after that point, the bullies had came back to him. And he stood up to the bully. And the bully's posse, per usual turned on the main you know how there's like that ringleader where he walks first and then his minions stand behind him kind of thing Um, and all of his minions had taken lucas's side and so it was just a nice little happy ending um and i also want to reference if you guys do decide to watch this movie when lucas is so he's set to stay at his grandma's house and his grandma is like seen as like this kooky old lady that just seems you know like off of it and unaware And how she's talking about how Lucas was the size of an ant. Because it's funny how the grandma knew what was going on the entire time. And then when reiterates it to the mom, she was just like, yeah, whatever, grandma. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So that was just like a little funny insert into the film was the grandma. I just liked her character. You know, all of the animated grandmas, they are amazing. Yeah. Like the one in Robots, I think, is my favorite animated grandma, if you've ever seen that. Another movie that I just didn't think it got the time of day it deserved. For Robots? For the movie Robots, yeah. I really like the the grandma yeah, in it. I liked, uh, I liked that movie as well. I It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm having trouble remembering the grandma. But, like, I love Moana for the grandma. Sure. And then, like grandmother willow from uh pocahontas (laughs) she's so sassy i love her i i love a good sassy like disney-fied grandma and i know that aunt bully is not disney but you know in the same vein right well and the the, it all goes back to i just really like the character development and the internal struggle yeah in that movie and of course the resolution to the, the ending of the movie was wonderful And that wraps it up for me. So what's your final movie? So my last favorite movie from my childhood is Homeward Bound. And please tell me you've seen this one. Uh Uh-uh, I have not. No! Oh my God. You missed out on childhood, my friend. (laughs) So Homeward Bound is the story of a blended family with three children. And each of the children has their own respective like i'm gonna go with like that soul pet the one that's really important to you specifically and right they have to move temporarily to a small apartment that's kind of far away so 
The family makes arrangements for the three pets, which is an American bulldog named Chance, who is played by Michael J. Fox. So fantastic there. Uh, a golden retriever, Shadow, and a Himalayan cat named Sassy, who's played by Sally Field. So also gold mine. They are going to stay at like a, a family friend's farm for while the family is staying in that small apartment for the dad's work. And the animals obviously have no way of knowing that this whole arrangement is supposed to be temporary. So after like a really short period of time at the family friend's house or farm, they all panic and run away in search of the family. And the whole adventure takes them through the, the thick of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And so it just, it always just shattered my heart knowing that they thought they had been just coldly abandoned and it wasn't the case at all. And I'm also going to go ahead and blame this, this movie for my constant narrating of all of my animals thoughts, because the, the witty banter between all of the pets is, it's just, it's too perfect. And if you haven't seen it, you desperately need to. It's on HBO, I believe. No, not HBO. It's on Disney+. And so, like, Chance is just, like, he's the American bulldog. He's, like, the picture of the overly hyper, goofy, lovable dummy. And so he's, like, always getting them into trouble. And Shadow is the loving, guiding, like, wise, old, like, grandfather type. And then there's Sassy, who's the bratty, sarcastic, witty, spoiled little sister. And the bond between each of the children and their their respective pet is just so heartfelt and sweet. And I always felt most connected, I think, to Shadow, probably because he was, you know, the old soul, the gentle, loving, almost like parent type character. And he reminded me so much of my first dog, Woody, who was a Sheltie Collie mix. And I had him until uh, right right before my 18th birthday. And he was just the most loving and sweet dog. And he had that like old dog energy, like that old dog vibe his whole life. So I think that was what made me like kind of almost over identify with Shadow and his relationship to his his boy, whose name is Peter. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think... They also just do an amazing job in this movie of showing the world from a nervous, inexperienced animal's perspective. Because, I mean, like you were saying earlier, you feel the dang emotions of these poor animals. You are sucked in. And, I mean, I've seen the movie a million times. I know how it ends. And yet I was bawling my eyeballs out because I felt so sad and scared for these animals who had no idea that their family was still loving them and still worried about them and hadn't abandoned them and you know they're they're seeing all of these terrifying things they're running into really scary and dangerous situations and animals all along the way and it's it's very i I don't even know how to describe it except for make sure you have tissues Yeah, it sounds similar to that movie Bolt with Miley Cyrus. It is where, similar, yes. Yeah. 
yeah. So I like that comparison because I also love that. Yeah. Movie. Well, it was just like the way you were talking about that movie. I was like, that sounds a lot like Bolt. With like, you know, they think that he gets thrown out like trash, and the whole time mom's looking for him, and yeah, he's out in the the world, and you know, meets up with the kitty with no claws, and yeah, yeah. it's a really sad movie too. It is sad, but also sweet because you know it does end very nicely. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always love a ha- good happy ending, don't we? Yes. Well, and see, like, I love Homeward Bound as well because it's a great way to remind people just how terrifying the world can be to our animal companions. And that even when we're trying to help them, they don't necessarily understand that. So, like, there's a scene where Chance gets, um, he gets quills from a porcupine stuck in his his, uh, lip. And there's an animal shelter vet who's trying to remove those quills and treat the wounds and he doesn't know that that's what they're trying to do he just knows that it hurts and they're holding him down and he panics and runs away because of it Mm -hmm. and i think that's just such a poignant scene especially for you know what you and i do and what vets do and everybody where it's like we know that we're trying to do what's best for that that animal that's in our care but the poor thing could be thinking that they're on the the way to die and and we have no way of like effectively communicating that to them you know and so i it always makes me sad that there isn't like an english to dog dictionary <laughs> to be able yeah, to no explain <laughs> right so right. i'm also just going to ask that our our listeners do me a giant favor I'm going to need you to give all of your critters, every single one of them, some extra lovings for me because I, I I just got way too emotional rewatching this movie and I need to know that everybody's getting extra snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll do the same as well, Rachel. <laughs> Good. And I think that um, if any of our listeners want to give some feedback about this episode today and if you have another movie that you think that we should watch and do an episode about... Um, or if you liked the kind of the concept of this episode and want us to discuss some of our additional favorite childhood favorite animal movies, uh, yeah, or or just animal movies in general, right? Yeah, um, feel free to write us in any time. We'd love to hear your feedback, and um, I'm hoping that you guys enjoyed today's episode as much as Rachel and I did. It was a lot of fun, and I have to say, as far as homework goes, rewatching some of my favorite movies from my childhood. That's an easy homework. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy homework. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. So yeah, thanks for absolutely. joining us today, everybody, and send us your suggestions, your feedback, whatever have you, to allforanimalspodcast at gmail.com, and make sure to like and follow us on Facebook. We are All For Animals Pod, and check us out and follow us on Instagram, All For Animals Podcast. We'd love to see you. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks everyone, for tuning in, and until next time. <laughs>